It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman. Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to the PR show. Revenue for the top 150 PR consultancies grew by more than 7% in 2019, but few expect any growth this year. The coronavirus pandemic has had a devastating impact on the economy and the communications industry is not immune. New research by Moore Kingston Smith reveals that 90% of PR agency leaders expect revenue to decline this year. But PR leaders are less pessimistic than peers in Adland and other Marcom's disciplines. Today, I'm joined by Grayling Europe, UK and Ireland CEO, Sarah Schofield. Hello. Cicero AMO Executive Chair, Ian Anderson. Hello. And Freud CEO, Arlo Brady. Hi, great to be with you. We will look at how the pandemic is impacting trading conditions and operations, how agencies are responding to the challenge, and whether this crisis could forever change the comms industry as we know it. Alo, I want to start with you at Freud's. You've had an exceptional growth in 2019, but as you noted recently, it will just be seen as a footnote. Um, very early on in this crisis, Matthew Freud made it clear that no employee would lose their job as a result of this crisis. Um, That was about six weeks ago when it wasn't really clear how long this would last for. Has anything changed? Uh, Lots of things have changed, I think, but nothing nothing has changed in terms of our commitment to to staff. As you you say, I mean, coronavirus is causing uh, chaos all around the world. Um, It's the jury's still out in terms of how long the impact will last for and how significant it will be. But, uh, you know, from our point of view, our priority at this, uh, at this time has been to, uh, to, to focus on our, on our staff and, uh, and supporting them through this, this difficult time. Um, we will 
have it be much clearer in a, in, in a few months' time what the full economic impact will be. But in our case, we had a, a pretty good Q1, um, which has provided us with a, a degree of, of cushion. We're um, we're still trying to understand what the full implications economically will be on the business. But, uh, you know, our mantra, if you've got stay home, save lives, uh, protect the NHS, you know, our mantra has been protecting jobs and, uh, and salaries, but also reducing costs and, and, and looking at, at driving new business. So, um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't, we haven't seen a massive impact to client work just yet, I wouldn't say. Um, but, uh, but I imagine that there will be um, plenty of impact over the next uh, the next few months, there'll be plenty of, of winners and losers, and we can you can already begin to see who some of those are, and you can speculate who who others will be as as we move along. But um, but for the time being, um, our priority is our is our workforce. Have you had to furlough many staff? How are you sort of managing the HR side of it? Uh, no, we haven't furloughed uh, anybody. I think that's uh, that's been part of our focus from from the from the very beginning. HR has been uh, a, a focus of ours. We've 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 have uh, led really with lots of communications. It's obvious from a communications agency, but as you will probably know, um, PR agencies aren't always the best at their own internal comms. So our our early priority was been, has been lots and lots of comms and as much transparency as, as possible to try and drive some uh, some confidence into our staff. Um, and I think uh, in our case, we do an annual survey, like a staff satisfaction survey and internal comms. It, it's almost, it's for the last five years at least, been really good. But internal comms always pops up as a, as a weakness. Um, so we've really tried to, to crack that this time around, and we've done that by taking quite an individual approach. One of the things that I think we've noticed is that everybody is facing challenges in their own unique way. Just before you came on, I was talking to the other guys about you know their own personal situation. People have younger kids, older kids, partners that work, partners that have just come out of work. There's all sorts of unique scenarios that people are in, and... and um, we have spent a lot of time, our HR team spent a lot of time talking to everybody individually um, to try and understand their situation and give them uh, a, a degree of confidence um, that we are um, looking after them. And and and, uh, and I think that at this stage, as I say, the economic impact's not clear, but I don't think you should rely on state aid if you don't have to. And at this point in time, we don't have to. So I want to turn to Grayling. In, in this recent research, um, it said about 80% of agencies will furlough staff, but PR agencies are more reluctant to make redundancies than some of the other Marcom's disciplines. But why do you think this is? And, and what's been the sort of HR strategy for Grayling? I think, you know, we, we are fortunate in PR agencies in that we have much more flexible operating models than perhaps other Marcom's agencies. And I also think if you look at... Um, events businesses, for example, I mean, I can only imagine the, the, the sort of pain that they will be going through right now, which, which probably gives them very, very few choices about what they can do to save any part of their business. So I do think the flexibility that we have allows us to, to try and support our clients as best we can through this. And I think that's a really important point. I think, you know, we, we all have sort of, particularly on the agency side, we have in, in, in comms agencies built into our DNA that we're meant to sell and 
you know, drive new business. And actually, I think that would be slightly grotesque, to be honest. I think what we are all doing and trying to do is, is show for the first time really authentically about what partnership looks like for our clients. Because uh, we all talk about, you know, we want to be your partners. But actually, that is about understanding the challenges that they're going through as well. And so I do think we're fortunate uh, in the PR comms world because I think we can flex and adapt. You know, in terms of HR for us, it's, it's not a dissimilar picture to, to uh, what Arla was saying about Foy's. We've been fortunate. We've had a robust Q1, which is which has seen us through, um, which I'm, I'm delighted about. Uh, our revenue has been holding pretty steady. We have uh, made a small percentage of our staff. Uh, we've put them on furlough leave. Uh, but we've also redeployed other parts of um, our staff onto, you know, onto areas of the business that required additional capacity. So it is very much about that sort of fluidity in the workforce and making sure that, that obviously we're, we're looking after each other, but we're also making sure that we're supporting our clients, to, obviously, to the best of our ability. Equally, uh, without wishing to repeat what, what Arlo just said, you know, that the well-being of our staff is absolutely at the core of every decision that we take. Um, you know, I think we talk a lot about business resilience. Um, and I think at, at, at Grayling, we've been fortunate that we have created resilience in our business in the last few years. But, you know, we need the staff to feel supported both, um, you know, both professionally, but also emotionally. And I think we talk a lot to our staff about it's OK not to be OK during this. You know, that people do need to take breaks. I think being on Teams or Zoom calls from morning, noon and night is exhausting for people. I think people, ironically, are probably working longer hours than they ever were because I think they're chained to their desks and there's very little else to do. So we're, we're very conscious of that. And we've done lots of, you know, more fun things as well. We've done, you know, we've got now a, a grayling personal trainer who's doing uh, online training three days a week. We've had a nutritionist come, come online and, and talk to our teams. We've had a sleep specialist. You know, I'm going to individual team meetings every day as is the chairman and the managing director. You know, we've done a daily newsletter, which is partly about reporting on the business, uh, to, you know, to keep everybody focused and, and obviously connected, but also focusing on some more fun stuff as well. So I think, you know, it, it is always a challenge to a business when you find yourself in, in moments of crisis. But actually, it's a great test of the culture that you've created. And, and I think at the moment, we're in a fortunate position, which, which is good. A lot of agencies have been saying how this crisis and social distancing—sorry, social distancing—has actually brought teams closer together. Is that something that you've noticed as well? I mean, we, we, we've got nine offices in the UK, so we've always had to work very hard to stay connected um, and communicate a lot, because otherwise, you end up with a you know a business which is which is made up of lots of little pieces, which we're very keen to avoid. Having said that. I do think what it's done is breaking down some of the formality around that. You know, if you have a fixed sort of all agency, as we do, sort of monthly meeting, you are seeing people, but perhaps you're not just sort of seeing them with their dogs behind them or sitting in their kitchens. And, you know, I believe very strongly in flat structures and, and everybody having a voice in an agency and, and, and sort of trying to get rid of quite a lot of hierarchy. And so I do think that because we, we're all working in very similar circumstances, it means that you've sort of completely flattened your structure to a certain degree. We're all here to help one another and whatever it takes, we'll do it. So I think we've been fortunate because we are quite well connected, but I think this has actually just improved things even further. And, and actually, it, it's taught lessons to me particularly about how we should be doing things more regularly and, and also involving more people from across the business as opposed to, you know, me or other people from, from the executive board broadcasting. It's very critical that we hear from everybody at every different level across the agency quite frequently because that's what people care, care about and it's what they want to hear. Okay. Ian, how has this pandemic 
impact at Cicero AMO? I mean, you guys had a, a merger recently. What, what has been sort of, how have you managed this? So, I mean, it's been, uh, I mean, quite extraordinarily, I'm, I'm wary of and of using the, the term um, unprecedented, but, you know, we took ourselves into uh, have asked, they've taken a majority stake in our business right at the um, end of February. I was, you know, beyond delighted that that, that, that happened. Um, and, you know, literally a few days after that, we saw uh, the pandemic, you know, have a pretty dramatic impact um, you know, across the economy. I mean, what I'm obviously now getting sight of uh, now as part of Havas in a way that as an independent we, we didn't have before is just how parts of the world are in and out of lockdown. So, you know, clearly already, you know, Asia coming out of lockdown, that is clearly having an impact in terms of activity, uh, uh, America uh, looking to move faster th than Europe. So in, in a way, we've, you know, we've been able to sort of tap into that effect. But the most important thing for us, of course, is, you know, now having the financial strength of uh, Havast and, and Vivendi uh, behind us, you know, as an independent before, we just didn't have that. So that's been incredibly important. Um, and, you know, we'd literally just plugged in uh, to uh, the Havas village in, in King's Cross when we had to, you know, start working from our kitchen table. And, and you know, that, that's been a challenge. But, but actually, you know, frankly, within a couple of weeks, uh, reflective of what, uh, you know, we've heard so far, you know, our team has been really, really amazing. They've risen to the challenge, uh, you know, very conscious there are an awful lot of, uh, you know, young people working um, in comms. You know, many of them are having to, to set up and uh, uh, work from their kitchen table, often share that kitchen table uh, with, um, you know, others in, in a flat share kind of arrangement. The resilience of people has been, you know, quite fantastic. We're, we're doing bake-offs. Um, there's lots and lots of uh, team communications. I, I would say, you know, one of the big reflections that I've got so far is, is just as we would advise clients to kind of, in a way, over-communicate right now, we're trying to do exactly the same thing with teams. But there's one thing that's absolutely certain is that nobody will snigger anymore at the idea of working from home. Which is very positive. And I guess the way that this industry and a lot of other industries have been heading. I'm interested to have a look at which sort of areas of PR and comms have had big declines and which areas are actually doing okay. Um, what are, I guess one of the advantages of this industry is that it's quite diverse and when it, when it comes to crises, sometimes that actually can generate demand. Which areas have done well or, or you, you've noticed more client demand and which areas have suffered as, as a result of this, Arlo? Yes, I think you can look at that from two different directions. I think you can uh, look at it from a client perspective or a product perspective. I think there are, you know, if you look across the spectrum of different types of clients that, that you might work with, some of them will be doing well in this environment and some of them will be facing significant challenges. So some organizations are orientated around industries. So you'll see some obvious industries that are doing well and some obvious industries that are not doing so well. So, you know, for example, you've got anything from, you know, anything like Netflix, the obvious ones are in-home entertainment, Netflix type things, store cupboard foods, 
retailers, um, some of the big tech players, anything to do with education, all of that is is extremely busy. And then on the other side of the equation, you've got the obvious stuff like transportation and tourism. And I know there's quite a few PR agencies that are very specifically focused on on that uh, industry, sports, restaurants, and so on and so forth. So I, I think we're seeing all of the obvious things there that you would expect us to see. Then from a product point of view, um, we have, as you know, we have quite a big health and behavior change uh, team and they are uh, you know, crazily busy. Um, we've got uh, perhaps not quite so big an internal comms, especially internal comms has always been the poor, uh, poor relation to external comms. And I think that that will probably be no more a lot of our clients have seen the the critical importance as we, as we were to our conversation earlier internal comms has been really important to an agency but it's particularly if you've got you know 100,000 employees in uh, 100 countries all around the world it's a critical issue for you so we've been leaning into that quite significantly crisis comms is a massive area for us and uh, unfortunately uh, we have seen quite a lot of crises recently and i would imagine you will you'll see plenty more of those we have lots of retained clients and see i think because there's so much uncertainty you'll you see a lot of requirement for strategic counsel from senior um, senior experts so that side of our business is extremely active and then you know, one of the big transformation areas here, and it'd be interesting to, to talk to some of the other guys about this, is 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 how technology, how this incredible use of technology is going to impact uh, the way that we communicate. And obviously, social media, we have a, a, a team of people that focus on social media and they run off their feet. But I think there'll be many more implications as, as, as we move forward. So that's a top line uh, area of, of focus. Sarah, what, what have you noticed? I don't think I don't think any services are badly affected. Um, I do agree with Arlo. I think that certainly, sort of, you know, immediate uh, consultancy and advice, and particularly insights, um, are really critical for clients at the moment. But I don't think that's necessarily service specific. I don't think we're, we're getting a request for more sort of political insight than we are around consumer behavior insight. I think it's across the board. So I, I, I certainly think, you know, that point around being able to give very quick advice and, and insight and consultancy around how people should be behaving, how other brands or businesses are behaving, how businesses can respond. I think we've certainly seen quite a lot of um, increase and uptick in that. I think there's been a huge uptick in creating creative planning. Um, and I mean, you know, very quick sort of turnaround, sensitive and compassion, compassionate sort of creative campaigns. And, and that doesn't always sit necessarily with brand marketing, which I think traditionally people think it does. It's also, you know, how, how a lot of corporate brands have responded to this. Um, and I think we talk a lot and have done, you know, recently about purpose, but I think a lot of businesses will be judged on how they are behaving right now not just externally, but also so internally. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As well. I agree fully around the uh, the point around social media, I think, is, you know, it's always been important. But obviously, particularly if, if businesses and brands want to be heard at the moment, there is very little earned media space in things like the print publications because for very obvious and all the right reasons, it's very um, COVID news focused. So I think social channels um, have played an important part in that. And, and again, I agree with Arlo. I think internal communications is absolutely essential at this point. Um, and certainly we've seen a lot of a lot of requests from clients to help them navigate that because I think a lot of businesses feel they're quite good at it. But again, it's that broadcasting rather than listening to their people and being able to communicate in the right tone of voice at the right time. Um, certainly, there are obviously sectors that um, have been badly affected. I mean, obviously, travel and tourism, um, aviation. But I also think charities have been really uh, badly affected at a time when they are probably needed most, which is difficult. Uh, and small businesses is interesting as well, because I think initially this could have been the death knell for a lot of small businesses. But they seem to have risen to the, to the challenge and done an amazing job, I think, on social media, particularly Instagram, um, you know, about sort of marketing themselves. And I think there is a real sort of sense of people wanting to, to really sort of rally behind their local communities. Um, and sort of invest in their local communities and their, their local community businesses. And I think, you know, maybe that's going to be a sort of positive change coming coming from this. I, I would say, you know, having a strong retainer base has proved to be really, really important right now. I mean, we went into um, our deal with uh, Havas uh, with you know, 75% plus retained, um, that's still maintaining itself through this process. So I think, you know, the retainer as a form of, you know, financial strength through this period, I think is going to be really, really important uh, for agencies for some time to come. Um, you know, there's been obviously a big debate for a long time as to the dynamics of retained versus project business. And it's the project business that I think took the initial hit when we went into this. We're starting to see that come back a little bit now as the conversation is moving towards return to office, if you like, as opposed to return to work, because everyone, of course, is working very, very hard at the minute. So I think the retainer um, is one dynamic that's quite important that, that I can see. Um, in terms of tools and techniques, um, you know, the, the, the rise of the influencer and the use of the influencer, uh, I think through this period, absolutely fascinating to, to observe. You know, the celebrity endorser broadly has been falling flat on their face right now, whereas actually 
community-driven local influences, stuff that people can see um, you know, with health workers um, in, in key localities um, is probably resonating more um, effectively than, than the sort of top-down, um, you know, big celebrity uh, star that you're using to endorse with your campaign. That just isn't working at all. Uh, purpose, completely agree with Sarah's point. Absolutely. I think the, the question that's coming again and again and again for uh, clients is kind of what did you do in the COVID war? Um, you know, were you good to your employees? Were you good to your customers? Did you lean into the public health effort or did you lean away from it? And then the final thing for me is that, of course, going on around us is actually probably, you know, a fundamental shift. We've talked about digital and yet yeah, digital first important, but there really is a question now about print media and whether or not it's got any long-term future um, uh, through this through this period, and, and frankly, you know, how distribution strategies then operate for comms, whether or not it's, you know, the public affairs activity or, or, uh, or the media activity, are really going to have to flex, and, and frankly, they already are, I'm, I'm seeing that in real time. Okay. I want to pick up on the purpose point. It's been a theme for a while. Do you think this crisis will accelerate um, the move towards purpose-driven marketing and, and what else are you noticing from clients? Do you, do you think what, what they're going to demand from agencies will change as a result of this? So there's a, there's a huge question there on, about, you know, uh, you know, is this a moment in time? Do we go back to normal? Um, uh, but, you know, my view on that, I, I think it's pretty clear. I don't think this is a moment in time. I think there's some pretty fundamental drivers that are at work here, not least the social effect the social and economic effects that are following pretty quickly uh, from the health effects. So, you know, the, the kind of space that brands and businesses have um, uh, are entirely, for the foreseeable future, going to be around how much people lent in versus how much they lent away. And on top of that, uh, it actually... The, uh, the, 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 the money, the investors that are prepared to support brands, um, you know, they're going to be thinking even more about environmental, social and governance, um, uh, that, that wider agenda, and, I, and I'm seeing that already. Alo and Sarah, do you have anything to add to that in terms of purpose and what clients are looking yeah. for moving forward? Sure. I mean, I think that um, a lot of the... Uh, the, the, the things that will emerge from this as being major priorities for, for clients have been on the cards for a long time. So if I think to, to some of the big uh, companies that we work with, a lot of them have known for some time that a major digital disruption is on the cards and that it will fundamentally alter the way that they do things. A lot of them have known that... that uh, uh, climate change is a, is a growing issue and that, that uh, mental health is becoming, you know, all these topics have, be have been bubbling away. And I think a lot of our larger clients have looked at those issues and wondered how they can engage with them because they feel as though they're a bit like a super tanker. And sometimes I think, particularly in the consumer space, they look around at 
uh, other newer, smaller businesses that are engaging in these topics and wish that they could be like that, but they're not agile enough to be able to in, in, interact with those topics. And if you think of the large corporation as a super tanker, uh, it takes a long time for a super tanker to make a turn. And what's happened, the only way you can make a turn in a super tanker is to stop the super tanker, right? You have to stop it. And then when it's stopped, then you can make a turn. And what's happening right now is that the entire world has stopped. So you can't, you don't want to stop your super tank because everyone else is still going. But in this case, our clients have got no uh, alternative really other than to stop in their tracks and consider how they then re-engage with the outside world. And I think a lot of them will uh, use the opportunity to throw things up in the air and completely step change direction, take some lessons from some of the smaller dynamic players. And uh, they'll want to start back better. They'll want to, you know, and, and never mind PR, I think the whole marketing space is, will be a fascinating one from that, from that perspective because what would you do if you had a blank sheet of paper and you didn't have to apply all of the conventional rules and um, and, and, and cultural uh, dogmas that existed pre-COVID? And I, I, that is going to be fascinating. And it's possible that PR could be a significant, uh, PR in an evolved form could be a significant beneficiary of that uh, debate inside these big companies. I agree. And I also, I also, sorry, I, I was just going to add, I think purpose has been around for a while. I don't think it's a new concept, but I think it's the sort of, it's the more humane part of purpose that we'll see, which is a slight evolution of pure purpose, which is, you know, compassion from business, transparency from business. Um, and I, I also agree with what Arlo said. I think the people who will learn the lessons through this um, and, and take those learnings and become braver and bolder think slightly differently, be adaptable, will be the winners. Um, and I think, you know, they will have to do that with both empathy and compassion, um, because I think this has kind of reset everybody emotionally slightly. I think, you know, we, it, it's like it's like a terrible bereavement in a way, which makes you reevaluate the things that really matter. Um, and I think if businesses don't reevaluate what really matters to their stakeholders, um, then they would look completely out of step and turn deaf, actually. How do you think this crisis will change your agency, Sarah, and the industry? Um, I think, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about workplace, and I think it will, I mean, you know, we, you know we've always talked about flexible working, um, you know, and I think this has proved very quickly that we can work remotely and be very efficient at it. So I don't think that's going to be a surprise that I say that. Part of that that I hope it removes is um, an age-old problem I think that we face in agencies which is presenteeism. I think there's always been this element that um, as a business we never really work nine to five um, and you know in, in a funny sort of way that will stand us in good stead I think in, in, in the future because I think we, we will be much more adaptable to working around sort of changing rush hours or changing around people's need to take their children to school or whatever it may be. And I think that will that will serve as well. But there's also been this sort of culture of people sort of at six o'clock, if you leave, people going, well, I've got the old eye, sort of, you know, why are you leaving at six o'clock? And I think it's nonsense. I think, you know, people work in different ways. People work very, very hard in PR. Um, and I think we've got to embrace that. And we've got to treat people like adults. And we have to trust our staff to do the job that they need to do. So 
I think there will be changes in, in how we work, but I think we're probably very well um, set up for that, to be honest. Ian, what changes do you see um, occurring as a result of this in communications? So, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that everyone's probably working a longer day and is rather zoomed out. Um, I think that is the case. I think, I think the, the thing that it is providing, uh, there's no doubt about this, and I'm seeing this across teams, is because the commute doesn't exist or you're not rushing from meeting to meeting to meeting in, a, in, a, in terms of travelling to get to meetings, you may be zapping on the Zoom switch. But I am seeing much, much more thoughtful and analytical activities, certainly from our people. And you know, I think that means people have more time, literally, to think. Certainly now we've moved into this period of um, understanding how to make working from home, everybody working from home, work. So... You know, I think that that you know, PR and comms and public affairs can you know often be accused of being very reactive, of literally just leaping on a headline, and I'm seeing sort of quite significant, I think, behavioural change through this period, where uh, as people go in to advise a client, give them that counsel they are they're thinking about things and they're giving a much much more rounded much more deep um in, insightful um set of concepts um you know in in a way right now you know we've been through a period uh, where um experts and substance were trashed and um and actually for for pr and um the communications world, I, I think actually the, the sense of expert is being, you know, kind of redef redefined and, and perhaps found. Okay. Alo, I'm going to leave the final word for you. How do you think this crisis will change the communications industry going forward? I think that's a million-dollar question, and I haven't got a fully formed answer to it yet. I'm, the, 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 the honest answer to that question is I, I don't know, but I know it's going to change an awful lot. I think it will, it will, it will it, you, and again, you could look at it from many different angles. I think it will change the nature of the industry in, in of itself. So I would imagine that we will see an unprecedented period of entrepreneurship in our industry. So, you know, the dominant uh, direction of uh, travel over the last decade has been towards the large uh, PR groups. A lot of people will have lost their job. A lot of good people, there's, you know, there's some serious talent out there. But in the, I mean, that is a, a caveat I should make. I mean, the UK is, a, is a, we've, we've got an amazing center of uh, expertise in public relations and adjacent disciplines. And uh, a lot of those good people will have been made redundant or furloughed or, or, or sort of, you know, pushed to the side and they'll decide to choose this moment to, to go off on their own, set up their own thing. And, and to, to Ian's point there, I mean, a lot of those will be experts and they'll set up maybe discipline-specific uh, businesses. So I think that's really exciting to see how, how all of that will play out. And I suspect that, that some of those businesses, because of the way that 
because of the fact we've realized now that we live in an interconnected world where we a UK business, a UK PR business doesn't have to be just servicing the UK the uk we are effectively a pretty large export business freud certainly is a pretty large export business and i think that uh, our expertise uh, can be exported all, all around the world so i suspect we'll see a bigger geographical play in terms of, of what uk pr businesses are focused on you see a big change in the product portfolio you know, if you imagine a graphic equalizer i imagine we'll see shifts in terms of of, of to the to the conversation that we had earlier in terms of the the, the expert types of expert that we that we hire that the, the digital thing will probably be the biggest change that we uh, that we see there um you know in a in a fully digital world which i think is what we are entering now although there still will be elements of a digital divide that will become a very significant issue, I suspect. In, in a fully digital world, we'll see that communication, the way you communicate, will have to change. You cannot communicate in the same way. And uh, we will be scrabbling around as an industry, I would imagine, in the coming uh, months to try and figure out what all of that, what all of that means. But... You know, if you wanted a final word, I mean, I think actually it's that there's an elevated importance of the discipline. So, you know, here we are, uh, look in this world of of sort of discontinuity and disruption, uh, and when you're looking at that kind of landscape, what's important? Uh, and communications is of critical importance in that environment. And to a corporation, reputational value is of great value. So I suspect that there will be an elevated importance of our of our discipline, uh, and it will become uh, more critical to the kinds of companies that we that we serve. So um, that's that's how I, I think it will. I mean, but there'll be lots more changes. But I think uh, let, let's uh, come back to it in a couple of months' time when we've all had time to absorb it. Well, that's a positive note to end it on. Um, communications will definitely elevate in terms of importance. Thank you so much, Arlo, Sarah, and Ian, for joining us today. Also, thank our production partners, Marketeers, for producing this podcast, and to you for joining us today. Until next time, on behalf of the PR Week team, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.